Hello. Welcome to IntelliCast. My name is Brian Lamar. Joining me today is our producer, Brian Peterson. Hey, Brian. How you doing? I'm doing good. How about you? Doing great. I'm in the office alone right now, which is weird. Also joining us, I'm, man, I'm so excited to have Dan Fleetwood on. Most of you probably know Dan Fleetwood. He is the president of Research and Insights platform at Question Pro. Hey, Dan. Hey, Brian. And Brian, how are you guys doing? Oh, so good. We're so happy to have you on. It's our season four, 24th episode of season four. I don't know why we haven't had you on before. That was um, an er- erroneous on our part. So we're really glad you're here. Hey, I'm, I'm happy to be here. And you mentioned you're in the office. That's something I haven't been in in probably a year and a half. So, Yeah, I I live 10 minutes from here. And so I've okay. kind of been on, in a lot, probably more than anybody. I would come in by myself a lot because I could just be efficient and it was kind of like normal. And I have like a lot of people in the office have three screens and I could kind of focus and get a lot of work done. But i I'll also like the flexibility of kind of going on, coming and going as I please. Um, sure, sure. Yeah. Really nice. Like I'm in the habit now. And I think Brian's kind of the same way. And we just kind of come in in the morning and find a window of opportunity to get out of the office. And that's when you leave. It's, it's such a different world, you know? Yeah, no, that's interesting. I, I kind of miss the office a little bit, but then I don't miss the commute. So my commute now is like, you know, two minutes from my bedroom to the office. Uh, <laughs> right. That's kind of nice, you know. <laughs> right. Um, and the dress code's a little different as, as well, right? Hey, you know, yeah, it is a little different. So that's nice, too. I can just yeah. kind of do whatever I want. So <laughs> Nice. Well, maybe we start off with just kind of maybe your background and sure. a little bit of the background of Question Pro. That'd be great. Yeah. So my background is I got a degree in business administration with a specialization in marketing, and then also a degree in communications. Kind of fell into research by uh, happenstance. I got an internship at a research company in Seattle, and then just kind of continued on. So when I got my degree in marketing, I thought it'd be more on like kind of the advertising slash you know true marketing side of things, and not so much research. But it's been a good ride so far. And then um, I've been at Question Pro since 2014, so about seven years now. Uh, we're a leader in the survey insights space and then beyond with communities, CX and workforce. So um, it's been an interesting journey. So we're headquartered in Austin and are really yeah, having a good year, especially uh, with the pandemic and all. So it's been fun and happy to talk about whatever you want today on the podcast. Oh, yeah. I've got so many questions for you. I'm a big fan of Question Pro. You guys do really cool stuff there. I thought maybe we'd talk a little bit about communities. Okay. And um, that's something that's, I think that's a huge challenge in the industry that, look, we've had challenges helping clients build communities and finding the right respondents and engaged respondents and uh, maintaining them. It's such a challenge from a sampling perspective. Um, Mm -hmm. So maybe you could kind of talk about a little about communities and challenges from your perspective. Yeah, no, I think we can definitely talk about that. In my perspective, I think it really starts with you need to have a good plan in place. I I think a lot of times clients jump into it because maybe they heard about it at a conference or one of their colleagues said, yeah, this would be a good idea for you to do. But there's no real plan outside of just starting the community. So yeah. I think I think it's, it's always having a good plan, like plan the year out in advance, know the activities you're going to engage the community in, whether that's, you know, two surveys per month, some discussions. And then a good points and incentive plan, I think, definitely helped out. I see a lot of 
companies and clients that just want to jump right into it and they don't have that plan in place. I think if you don't have that, like the community will fail and it'll, it won't be a great experience. So I would say definitely have the plan, know the mix of both like qual and quant that you want to do inside of the community. And that will determine a lot of things like the number of members you need, the size of your community and so forth. So I would say when in doubt, like plan, I think like a good phrase is like, if, what, if you plan or if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And I, I think that resides well in the community landscape as well. Yeah, I, um, that's good advice. I, I helped a major CPG firm here in Cincinnati build a baby care community Mm-hmm. You know, for moms and it was honestly one of the most challenging things of my entire professional career and i've had a lot of challenges i've failed at a lot of things <laughs> and the, building that community was so challenging and um we had to have a meeting every monday how do we engage respondents what do we do and it was this constant um thought process around planning for the community and it was just overwhelming yeah. honestly um you know you wanted to keep them busy when you didn't have a lot of objectives for primary research for the client and you wanted to keep them busy and entertained and think of something interesting for them to do to keep going mm-hmm. to the portal and things like that. But it was honestly, we did it for about two years, I think, and it was incredibly challenging. So I, I understand it a little bit. Yeah. And I think another important aspect is let the members know like the schedule of things. So they know when to look for activities and so forth. I think, if even if you have the plan, but you don't iterate that to the members, I think that's a step that I think a lot of times gets missed. I'm not sure if that was the case in your community or not, but if members know like, hey, every two weeks I'm going to get a survey, then it helps them kind of get more in that mindset. Yeah. And then you, you brought up a good point with engagement. I think a lot of times brands get into the habit of thinking that the community is the only thing that the consumers or their customers are doing, which obviously is not the case, right? It's probably a little bit lower on the plate. So yeah, you do, you do need a, a good engagement strategy, but also keeping in touch and just saying, Hey, th- this is the schedule that we're going to be doing for this community. This is what you get for it. I think tend to help out quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. That was such a challenge for us. Um, mm-hmm. So is is there are there challenges with like I bet there are with like consulting with clients and educating them on what things they should be doing and shouldn't be doing. Um, we found challenges with that, and you know, I also I found a lot of times that people would always want to do quant stuff and like get a base size mm-hmm. of a thousand, like almost like traditional research. When we try to teach, teach treat it as almost like kind of qual quant hybrid a little bit, I guess. Yeah. I'm not sure if there's a question in there, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think it makes sense. Like you have to know like what you're going to be doing inside of the community. And that will determine a lot of things. Like I think not only the duration, like how long it should be yeah. around, but then also the types of research and the size of your community. I mean, like if you're doing a lot of qualitative work then you don't need that many members in it, you can probably get away with, you know, two to 300 members, depending on the work and what you need. But if you're doing quantitative, you need, uh, you know, probably 10,000, 20,000 members in there. One, to get all of the segments that you, you want to reach. And then you need those, you know, those higher uh, sample sizes per survey, because obviously you need it for, um, you know, validity reasons and so forth. But I think it's knowing what you want to do ahead of time. And then if you start the community as a qualitative community, but then you want to do quant, knowing that you need to recruit and get the number of members up 
so that you're not asking the same, you know, 200 people each time what they think about a particular product or whatever it might be that you're, you're asking them about. Yeah. I'm curious to do um, what, what I, this is years ago, we tried to keep communities blinded, but then we saw, I think there was a little bit of a shift in the value of unblinding communities. So an example would be like, you could have a coffee enthusiast community, right? And you'd get a lot of people, like people like coffee, talking about coffee. But if it was a Starbucks community, you might get different people, but you're certainly going to get people more engaged because of the brand name of Starbucks. Mm -hmm. Curious if there's a trend towards that or what your advice is towards that. Yeah, I think it always helps to have a branded community, in my view. I think the members are more engaged. They know directly around getting their feedback. I don't often see like a lot of benefit to having like a unbranded community and unless it's you're trying to do like uh, just like market research or, you know, general market research on a particular industry and you wanted to see what it's like at large. But in general, I think there are more benefits to having a branded community than not. And those include really like some of the intrinsic rewards that members feel like they're getting by being a part of the community. You get better engagement, better response rates. And to me, those trump any sort of like, perceived benefits of, of having like an unbranded community where the clients hit in and it's just about a particular subject at large. Like you mentioned with, you know, coffee, of course, you're going to find coffee lovers that can talk about it all day, but if you can direct it towards a community or, I mean, excuse me, a branded community, you're going to get better engagement and probably have to pay less out in incentives because people right. want to be a part of that brand. So it, it becomes more cost effective in that regard as well. Right. Cool. Um, that's certainly good advice. Um, well, you were clearly employed at Question Pro the past year and a half when um, we went through some shifts in the world and the industry. I'm curious, were there cha- I bet there were changes to the way people thought about communities or, or something in that nature. Was there a change or advantage or disadvantage to, in the past year and a half with the pandemic? Yeah, I think it was a little of both. I, to me, I think I saw it as an advantage because it actually moved up things on a roadmap that we wanted to get done, but I've just kind of been yeah. sitting there because there were other perceived benefits. So one of the things was getting, you know, video discussions in, in the platform. And so I think that was a benefit of the pandemic as the industry saw, no one could do it in person, right? Because of the, everyone was quarantined and um, wasn't safe to do, but there's this big push for I think online qualitative, so we wanted, obviously, to be in that mix as well. So we pushed up the getting the video discussions out. So that's a piece that we launched that was actually, like I think, a positive result of the pandemic and something that I see as a clear benefit because it's another way to engage with your community. So that's one thing that the pandemic delivered for us was just moving this up in the roadmap because uh, of the need that we saw from clients. Yeah, were, were respondents, did they adapt to that pretty easily from a community's perspective? They went from, I don't know, what like chatting and kind of surveys mm-hmm. and you know those types of things. And then the video, were respondents, did they adapt to that? Yeah, you know, interestingly enough, this is, it's kind of interesting you bring this up, Brian, because I was talking with one of our clients, this big CPG firm and, or CPG company rather, and they they used the video discussion module. They found some benefit, but what they found is that 
sometimes respondents didn't necessarily want to be on video and respond in that way. So yeah. to me, it was an interesting shift where it was like every, I think, researcher, insights professional thought, oh, this is great. You know, rather than doing it in person, I can do it on video. But there was a lot, there are still a few members or quite a few members, I would say that just, you know, don't want to do that. So I think it's yeah. clearly vetting that and, and realizing that ahead of time that some of your members just aren't going to want to do that. They signed up to do surveys and chats, but, yeah. you know, on the flip side of that, we have seen a lot of communities that have benefited and see a big benefit of video discussions and they don't mind participating. So I think it's just important to note that because you think it's important and that you're, you know, yeah. all of, most of us are on video calls all day. It's not necessarily true for a lot of the members in the community. So there yes. still may be a subset that are not willing to do that. or don't want to, but I think on the flip side, there will be, you know, enough that, that want to do it to where it makes sense. So it's just keeping that in mind that you as a researcher may not be, you, you might be more excited about it than the actual member. So I think it's something to keep in mind for sure. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and these are all educated people. And one of them s talked about someone asked them to go to join a Zoom call. Didn't know what Zoom was. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people out there, you know, mm -hmm. are respondents and consumers that you know they don't live kind of in the same world we do, where we're on Zoom calls all day long, and you know we know how to download the latest version and how to kind of turn off our camera and on and all those things. Where other people right don't know where to start. So that's that's. That's great advice. I didn't even thought of that. Do you have any other best practices maybe in the community that, that you've learned over maybe not just the past year, but in your career? Yeah, I mean, the, a few best practices. We touched on some of them already, like, you know, know the duration of your community, the different types of research you're going to be doing in the community, the size. I would always keep in mind, like, what rewards are you going to be giving out? I think people at the end of the day there are a lot of intrinsic rewards that they want to participate in the community, either because it's the brand or they feel good about giving back. But always keep in mind, I think some of the extrinsic rewards that members want, you know, like gift cards or cash, whatever it might be. And I think it doesn't need to be a lot, but showing that you're rewarding them for their time, I think, is an important. And then I think oftentimes, like, the, the, there's like this work fund balance that you need to include. Like make it rewarding, like a fun experience for your members, share different activities, different posts, and have variety. Like if you're just doing a bunch of quantitative work, mix in some qualitative. I think your members will find it enjoying. You'll get some insights that you probably didn't realize that you could get. So I think those are some. And then I think a few others might be, you know, just keep in mind that the mobile aspect of things, I think it's easy to kind of get away from that, but there's a lot of mobile first approaches that can really help out a community, whether it's geolocation surveys, mobile diaries, different types of activities that you can help engage your members from a mobile perspective. Yeah. I mean, I think we're, we're finding that, you know, even on just the survey side, more more people are taking their surveys on mobile than they are on a, on a you know desktop. Right. So right. it's no different for a community. So keep that in mind. And, but also that comes, I think some interesting rewards in terms of the different types of projects that you can run and different ways that you can engage members. So I would keep that in mind. And then the, the final one, I said, think about the design of your community, the, the look and feel, sort of the marketing opportunity that's also there as an extension of your community. Make it easy for, for your members to join. Don't make it overly complicated. I've seen some communities where they're trying honestly to do too much that it's 
confusing for the member. Then you got to remember, it's not like a, a like a Facebook or LinkedIn where people might be going multiple times per day. So make it easy to get the task at hand done and don't bombard them with too much, I think is where I'd probably sum that up with, you know, some more tips that um, people in the industry can use if they, they're thinking about a community or even if you already have one. Yeah, it's probably good tips to kind of revisit. Absolutely. And one, one thing I've found with communities, I've my career, I've kind of done almost everything and mm-hmm. on the supply side, I've done quantitative research. I've done qual. I've done telephone. I've done in person. I've done CLT online. I've done pretty much everything. Yeah. And I feel like I'm a pretty good researcher, but I need help with communities almost more than any other research <laughs> objective. So I hope I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like, and I I know a lot of other really experienced researchers that have just struggle with all the challenges. It really takes an expert, and so. Thank you for sharing all these tips and um, that, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then I'll just, I'll say one more thing on the topic. It helps to also partner with, I think with a company that has, a, they have community managers that can help out. And even if you want to do everything in the community, it's still good to rely on a community manager someone that's in it and doing it daily just to help out and see your blind spots and different things that, can make the community better. So that would be sort of maybe a bonus tip that to include in there as well. Absolutely. Um, and question pro, you don't just do communities. You do a lot of other stuff too, right? Can you maybe, what else yeah. does do? Yeah, no, we do a lot of other things. So on the, on the research suite side, which is the, the platform that I manage or the, the, the part of the question pro that I manage, we do, you know, complex research surveys as well. So everything from MaxDiff, Conjoint, Van Westendorf, Garber Granger, to advance logic and reporting functionality. So that's something that we do on the survey side. We also have well, communities like we talked about. We have sample as well that we provide to clients and then services. So as an extension of clients' research teams, we do that. And then we there's a CX module as well that is all about customer experience, you know, close feedback and MPS and so forth. And then there's workforce as well, which deals with employees, surveys, culture, engagement, and so forth. So, and then on top of that, we also have a just survey platform that's more geared toward DIYers and people that just you know want to come in and do it themselves. So, pretty expansive product line. And then the newest feature that we have is the Insights Hub, and that is a really a knowledge management platform that can help combine insights into a repository that's searchable, taggable, and you can do stories. So really the insights live on past the point where the delivery, the pitch, or and so forth is told. And usually we see that these kind of go to die in a SharePoint or you know just some file on the client on, on the computer. But this is where the data can live on. So I, I think the knowledge management piece is interesting right now. I've been hearing a lot about it. And then consequently we've come out with a product that can help in that space as well. So yeah, we're, we're doing a lot. So those are some of the things I, I think that we're doing uh, at Question Pro to you know, help out the industry at large. No, that's awesome. Um, you guys have built quite the reputation in the industry. And um, the, what, what other thing you guys do and you do, what I just learned about is you do like a, um, a little 10, 15 minute, like this live Face, not Facebook, but on Zoom or something, like live Q&A and insights discussion, right, each Friday? Yeah. 
Yeah. So this, this was really, this came out of the pandemic, really. There was, yeah. there were so many webinars being had and I was like, kind of had webinar fatigue. Yeah. And I thought, what, what could we do to, that's something different that can kind of break the mold. So I think in October of last year, September, October of last year, we started a every Friday at 11 central. We, we called it live with Dan, honestly, because we didn't have any other better <laughs> names to call it. So I mean, just, it's, yeah, I thought it was a good name, you know, it helped me out. No, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we, yeah. Well, exactly. Exactly. So they, so yeah, we were about 35 plus episodes into that, but, yeah, every week it's typically centered around a guest that comes on or and we talk about something in the insight space or general lessons or things like last week talked about sort of five question types that you should be using but probably aren't and yeah it's a live show which makes it you know kind of fun and engaging and we stream it on linkedin live youtube facebook so all, all of the different places that you would want to view the you know view the, view the content so it's been exciting. I think it was now when I have to switch back into webinar mode, it's a little bit challenging for me because yeah. you know, webinar is usually a little more buttoned up, but this is live yeah. and we just have a good time. So yeah, yeah no, that's, it's been fun. The episode I saw, it says something like unfiltered and authentic or something like that. That, that, that was really cool. Like that's what we kind of need to hear. Right. Um, and it, our, our podcast is a little bit like that. Yeah, um, we don't often re um, pause and and say something over. You kind of get what you get, and some there's a good with that, and there's a bad with that, maybe. Um, but yeah. the good is like it is authentic, and so um, that's awesome. You're doing that; it's cool. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. It's like the authenticity. I think is something that can get missed, and that's what I think we really, really like. And I know I'm just talking with you guys, listening to some of the podcasts that you guys have done. It's been fun, right? Just this yeah. is what it is and it's authentic and let's just roll with it. Cause you know, you don't, I don't think you need always like a super edited version to get like the insights and, and different things in it. Right. So that you're trying to get out of the podcast or production or, or the live with like the live video that we do. So yep. it's fun. Yeah. It's fun. Well, cool. Well, we have a couple more questions to get to know you on a more personal level. We used to do this a lot on the podcast. We had the four P's from the marketing mix. So we kind of switched it around. Mm -hmm. We thought you would ask you maybe a couple of them. Um, First P is perform. Do you have a hidden talent, something that maybe people don't know about you? A hidden talent? That's that's a good question. Um, I, I don't know if it's so much of a hidden talent, but I feel like I'm able to take on a lot and get things done. So it's probably not like a super fun, like yeah. hidden talent, but um, like, you know, singing or something like that. I don't know. But <laughs> Multi I think that that's, I think that's, that's something that, um, that I, I that I've seen that I can do pretty well. Um, in terms of like, I don't know if it's a talent, but it's, it's maybe something that people don't know is I'm like really into fantasy football. So that's something yeah. I could probably talk about all day. If I wasn't doing market research, I think it would probably be something maybe in fantasy football or sports related, but yeah, that's, uh, cool. that's something that I really enjoy. Cool. Um, podcasts. Are you a podcast listener? Do you have anything that maybe you could share what you listen to? Yeah, it's interesting. We, you know, now that my commute is short because <laughs> of, <laughs> you, yeah. know, you know, we're working from home and remotely, but I, I try to listen to podcasts on walks and I used to listen to a lot when I was commuting. I would say the the podcast I probably go to the most is the Tim Ferriss Show podcast. I think that's probably the my, my go-to. 
And then I like some of the guests that Joe Rogan has on. If it's in the industry, I like this podcast, of course. And then I also like uh, the Ride podcast with Adam Jolly and Adam Adam Dietrich. I like those. That, that's an interesting podcast that I've listened to a few times. So I would say those are some of my go-tos. Awesome. I am. Um... I try to listen to Joe Rogan and I wish sometimes I wish I had a longer commute because I mean, I don't know how he does it. Those is <laughs> like three hours and like, I'll see clips of it here and there. And I'm like, Oh, I bet that's an awesome interview. And I want to watch it. And like, then I'm like, Oh, I can't, I don't, I can't invest three hours, but it's also kind of the beauty of it that he just kind of does stream of consciousness and whatever topic is on the news and he'll have an awesome guest on and you yeah. kind of have to be committed to it. I wish I, I don't know. I couldn't, I can't focus when it's on the background, but I don't know how people do it. Yeah. It's definitely a podcast and same thing with like the Tim Ferriss show. They're longer form. Usually I break it up. I can't listen to it all in one go. And yeah. if I'm walking or, you know, exercising, sometimes I'll do, listen to it there, but it gets tough. It gets tough, but I do like the stream of consciousness and just kind of yeah. talking about whatever's on the mind. And, yeah, I think you know we were talking that's about sort of authenticity earlier, yeah. and I think that's really what it is, right? Just let's yeah. just talk about things and, and see what comes out, you know. Brian, do you listen to Joe Rogan ever? Once in a while, not too often. I'm guessing his those lengthy ones maybe the weed impacting that. <laughs> you saw the one with Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah, lighting up yeah. on it. That might lead to part of that. That would be my yeah. guess, but. Yeah, usually it's it's the weed or the alcohol or whatever that, is, right? <laughs> yeah. that kind of leads to those things. Like, but it makes it kind of interesting, you know. Like he has some some interesting guests, and then oftentimes you're listening to it, and then you find someone they also have a podcast, so it kind of you know leans out from that, or you like kind of what they're saying. But yeah, um, well, there, there's some good ones that he has. Yeah, I think that you know we try to keep our podcast at twenty to thirty minutes, and. I don't know, for two years, we probably averaged about 45. And I don't know I don't know if we should keep it consistent. I feel like there's no rules yet. Right. Like Joe Rogan can do two, three hours, and somebody else does five minutes, and someone else tells a story, and, you know, one's real buttoned up. And, like, you know, we're all doing things differently. I think that's kind of the key is, like, we'll attract different people. Um, and, in, you know, market research, we have a ton of podcasts and a tons of mediums to – talk to people like you're what you're doing, what Jamin's kind of doing with both the podcast and his, his yeah. weekly discussions on zoom, which has really taken off. And that's really cool about research is we have so many opportunities to learn and network. And we were, we're really moving quick. There was a, what was the app that we, that kind of took off for, I don't know. I haven't heard it. Clubhouse. Is that what it's called? Oh, Clubhouse. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we yeah. Did that. And I, I don't know what ever happened to that. Maybe it's still going on, but like, I feel like we're becoming much more innovative as an industry, which is kind of cool. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. And I think that's one thing that came out of quarantine, I think, as well, or the pandemic, is that it pushed people towards a lot of things that they hadn't done before by yeah. out of necessity, right? And so it really opened the door to a lot of those things, not only podcasts, but different, I'm using all mine qualitative and, and so forth, different methods to achieve the research results. But yeah. no, you're right. I, I think... When I first got in the industry, I was really surprised at the amount of collaboration, even between, you know, perceived competitors and yeah. just everybody willing to share knowledge and help out. And you see it now with the, the great podcasts, the shows and so forth that, that are happening and then all the events and so forth. So I think it's, it is something that's really great about the industry. Well, Dan, um, 
Thank you so much for joining. And if people have questions about any of Question Pro's um, services or communities, what you heard today, how can they reach you? I know you're active on LinkedIn, but is there another way to meet you? Yeah, link, yeah, LinkedIn. Feel free to, I think LinkedIn's probably the easiest spot to find me. Also, I'd try to be on Twitter, but LinkedIn <laughs> is usually a, a better spot for me. So um, yeah, no, reach out to me on LinkedIn. Happy to connect. And no, this has been a great, a great time. I appreciate you having me on the show today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for joining us, and I hope everybody had a good time, and thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.